and we are live officially we're back with the cat after his vacation sabbatical he is coming to us live from florida but not from a place where there's no power it's all good down in south florida cruise right right around us barely barely missed us but it did so yes back in the florida sunshine after doing manual labor of massachusetts for a week on my on some of my properties it's good keeps the work ethic reminds it reminds me how awesome my life is in south florida right go up what kind of manual labor are we talking were you cutting boards were you no, nah, I usually do down. the non. I usually do the non-skill stuff, so my partner could stay busy with the skilled work. So I was doing a lot of, uh, you know, scrubbing windows and uh, putting up blinds, because you know you get a place that people smoked in, and there's just tar layered on the windows. Yeah. So yeah, some of that. What else? Painted some stairs, some exterior stairs. Um, Things like that, nothing too crazy. Material material runs and whatnot, so everyone can keep working. So me and Home Depot saw a lot of each other last week. <laughs> Love that. How is uh since we're just talking about it, how's your uh how's real estate going? How is what do you think of the market and uh everything I mean, going on right now? Real estate's going awesome for me. Um, you know, as far as the market, I mean, I haven't seen much change outside of you know, people are cutting prices because that, you know, listing something 20, 30 above the prior, uh, you know, the most recent comp and then getting that, like that had stopped. So now people are like, you know, essentially what I see is cutting prices towards the actual comps. So I don't know that prices are going down, but they're definitely not going up anymore. Um, and this is just particular to, you know, the area I invest in. I also uh, found that we can finally negotiate again. You can actually negotiate <laughs> with sellers now. That's I missed that. I was, so that's fun that that's back. Well, um, no more auctions with all cash offers, 20% over the right, listing price. Right. No contingencies, all that stuff. Yeah, no, we got, uh, I have a four unit that um, we're closing on later this month. Um, we just actually, in fact, I'm probably officially closed as of a few minutes ago. Uh, we had a little single family that we were selling. And we're going to do a 1031 exchange and roll that money into a down payment on this four unit, um, which needs some work, but we're getting at a pretty good price. Um, I was actually surprised at um, the price we got it at. I was ex expecting to spend at least 20K more. Um, and that's, you know, percentage wise, a decent amount because this isn't high priced properties. We're talking about like a $300,000 property. So, uh, yeah, real estate's uh, still rolling. I feel like there's just more and more opportunity keeps popping up. Um, I'm probably actually selling my townhome. Uh, that's actually where I'm running off to after this call. I got to go meet the realtor and uh, I'm going to list my rental townhome I have down here in Florida. And that will leave me with no Florida investment properties anymore, which is kind of sad and might be dumb. But I just I got equity I want to get access to. and I can't do it any other way. So, right. um, cause I do feel like there's going to be opportunity like next year. I think there's going to be next summer. I think there's going to be a uh, better opportunity with real estate than there is now. Yeah. I think, 
I think now, not just in real estate, but in everything is now's the time to have some dry powder to, to start going back into the market, start picking up some cheap stuff. Yeah. I don't want to be in the same spot I was in, in, uh, 2018, late 2018 or whenever the bottom was for a Bitcoin. And I'm looking at Bitcoin at four grand and I have zero liquidity at all yeah and i'm like and i'm <laughs> leveraged to the and i was leveraged to the, like the till and i couldn't i was like like you gotta be kidding me so if bitcoin happens to dump again i'm not gonna be in that same position where i can't fucking buy yeah yeah i mm -hmm. uh i mean that's where that's where things actually went well for me was the opposite situation where i did have a lot of dry powder in, in 2018 and i was able to pick up a lot of bitcoin so that was the that was the life changer for me it would have been for me but unfortunately timing wise didn't work out i mean the thing is by the time i got on my like i got a bunch of capital freed up because we like we were doing a flip um and we were doing like a burr on another one so and i was bankrolling it myself which was probably dumb sure just got some damn hard money um but by the time my capital freed up bitcoin was already at like seven which still unbelievable buy but when you're looking at it at 4K and then like two months later at seven, you're like, fuck. Mm -hmm. So I just didn't want to buy it at seven. Even though I know seven is a great buy, you're just like, so, and you know, you know obviously hindsight's 2020, you don't know where right. it's going to go. That, that was back when people were sweating if it was ever going to break 10K again. Yeah. So yeah, now everyone's now, crying about it being 20K. Right. It's funny. Funny how that works. Super funny. Um, yeah, I mean, I've started to, I've really started to like back into a lot of different things, um, a lot of different risk on assets um, that are that are tied to crypto, you know, um, ranging anything from Cub to Rune to Bitcoin uh, to Leo to Ethereum, all of it, any anything risk on is what I'm going for now. Um, I managed. I managed to. I managed to stock away a lot of stable coins from the last bull market. I kind of figured that obviously, obviously, everything that goes up is going to come down at some point. So I, I was smart about being pretty relentless in terms of taking profits off the table uh, and getting out of some of my crypto and and you know sitting in stable coins and just waiting for something yep. like this. I did not do that. <laughs> I mean, I still have a chunk. You know, I have my chunk of stables that was always there, <clears throat> which. It's funny because that stable coin and like, you know, the money I have in the, in the kingdom, <clears throat> it's the only reason I'm considering an investment that I was just introduced to that I still at like, at best, it's only, it's only 50, 50 that it's a Ponzi scheme, <laughs> but <laughs> basically, cause like, this is a thing where like you basically have now where like bots will like just mimic uh, a trader. Yeah. So like they do it like the day trading firm I used to be at. They're like top trader. The company itself has a has a bot that trades everything he does just at 10 times the size. Yeah. So now <clears throat> my buddy's in an investment. <clears throat> Jesus, what is with my freaking voice? <laughs> Dying. Yeah, I uh I've got a little something in my throat <sighs> too. So so um going around. Yeah, well, I was also just on calls all morning, so it's been like three hours of talking. Um, but anyway, so 
this kid's been in the investment for like six months. He introduces to me. And what it is, is it's same thing. Like you basically fund a fund an account. It's a sub account. It tracks everything that the trader does. The guy that's trading, he's trading like gold on Forex. Yeah. And, um, his returns are pretty, pretty sick. Like just grinding out like too consistent. It's actually too consistent. That's what makes me like, and you know, to get in, in it, you, you, you basically use crypto to get in it. Right. So we're not doing any KYC or anything. And I'm like, Interesting. well, this is cool, but they could literally rug pull anytime they want on top of the right. fact, how do I even know it's a live account he's trading? He could be trading a fucking demo account and true. this thing could just be a, whole, a complete Ponzi scheme. Cause the demo account Very is true. no different now. We, I remember the, at the trading firm, like, so, and it's not a cheap entry price. And my one buddy wants to like partner up with me. He's like, dude, let's go halves. And I was like, oh man. It's like, <laughs> I mean, I guess I made money on BitConnect. So it's all about getting in early enough, right? Get in early, take your, take your cost basis out early. Yep. What do you have to lose at that point? I mean, yeah, it comes down to, can I get five months out of this thing? If I can, then I can get all my money back. And then anything after that is gravy. So it's right. like how long they've been doing it. It's been going for like, well, 18 months for my connection and the group that I'd be going through. So normally I wouldn't even consider it, but my buddy like is so down to do it. And he's jumped into so many crazy things over the last two years that he's made so much money on. And I've jumped in really? none of them. Yeah. I've jumped in none of them. And yeah, he's in one investment. He gets paid six, 6% 6 per month. So that's with uh, financing for uh, purchases um, of goods for government co government contracts. It's because wild. the dude, the, the markup's huge. He gets like 100, 150% markups on the stuff that he sells to the government. Sounds like war dogs. It basically is, except for he's not doing like uh, art artillery and things like that. It's all like he did, he did face masks like two years ago. Then he did, what did he do? Most of it's been like medical-esque uh, like supplies. He did face masks. I'm trying to remember. I think, yeah, I think he might've done sanitizer. Um, I'm trying to remember what the latest one. But yeah, I never got in it. I, I probably should have. I just didn't, I don't know why. Yeah. I, I didn't really trust it, but. Yeah, I always have trouble stuff. trusting stuff like that personally. Um... Anytime. Yeah. I mean, if I can't get under the hood, I generally don't want to invest. You know what I mean? So it's like, even with the DeFi platforms, I'm on Cub, I'm on Polycub and that's pretty much it. Yeah. That's because I can, you know, pretty much feel like I know what's going on with those platforms. So, right. I mean, they don't call me the scaredy cat for nothing. <laughs> Anyway, we got a few people finally jumped in here. Yep. <clears throat> what do we got? Starting to get the crowds in. Um, while we That's let everyone funny. get organized. What were you going to say? I was, none. I was looking at the chat. I saw uh, I know my soul, which, no, I would never have tequila. I will never drink tequila ever. It's the one liquor I will not touch. I'm a tequila fan. Yeah, vodka, vodka, is, vodka is the preferred, but I do like tequila too. Yeah. 
I do vodka, I do uh, whiskey, but tequila just, I don't know what it is. It messes me up bad. And I, I, I do vodka, vodka drinks, tequila shots. That's the key. There you go. And the smell of tequila makes me nauseous. Yeah. But actually, no, my soul, I didn't do anything. No tequila, no, no any. I actually haven't had any alcohol since uh, September 11th, which was kickoff of football. Um, unfortunately, dealing with some digestive issues. So alcohol and coffee have been cut out of my life again. Sad face. How Daryl rolls. And if he loves his tequila, <clears throat> I hear he drinks it on the uh, Friday show that he does about crypto. Nice. About Leo and crypto. Um, All right. Yeah, I'm going to go grab a, th- a throat lozenger and then you can ahead. jump into uh, the kick yeah. on all things Cub. Yeah, I'm going to, um, while Kat does that, I'm going to talk about Cub. So we uh, released the big Cub report. So um, every, basically every, the, every first of uh, the month, um, we release a big Cub report now. This was the second one. And uh, we basically just talk about all things Cub economy related. Um, obviously there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of shakeups that have happened to cub, uh, in terms of, you know, basically the entire model getting changed. So, um, this new model with the focus on the multi-token bridge has been, uh, has been very fruitful so far. Um, we've essentially seen, uh, more cub burned in the last two months, which is when the multi-token bridge launched, uh, than the first 18 months, uh, of the whole platform. So, um, if you were keeping track. Basically, <laughs> I like it. I like it. The hell yeah. yeah. Sign. Um, so basically, if, uh, you know, if, if you saw the total burned amount of cub up until August, uh, we were at 517,000. Um, and I'll throw a little uh, chart up for you guys in Discord. Uh, but here in this chart, you can see, um, you know, there was a, basically a steady burn over the last 18 months from the beginning of cub uh, in March 2021. And that steady burn is primarily from uh, Kingdom's management fees. Um, and then if you remember at the beginning of the platform, it earned revenue from deposit fees on the, on the farms. So now uh, we still earn from Kingdom's fees. So you'll notice that there's kind of that steady uptick that will always be there. Uh, the deposit fees we've completely done away with. So there's no more farm deposit fees. Um, and if you look at that chart, you see that steady rise, but then in September, 2021, you see kind of like this big spike. That spike is IDO number one, where we burned like 250,000 cub, I think. Um, so the, the crazy thing is how, uh, the, the model has basically evolved over time. So you see kind of that steady burn, the big one hit burn. Um, and then again, back to the steady, steady burn. And then you get to August uh, 2022, which is when you see the multi-token bridge launch uh, about eight weeks ago. And you see literally the burns are like steadily increasing like this. And then you see them skyrocket from where they were. Um, And that effect is literally just the multi-token bridge earning revenue, buying back Cub and then burning it. Um, It's pretty crazy to see how much revenue uh, the multi-token bridge generates. Um, It's completely disproportionate to to the TVL that's in there. Um, so basically a small amount of TVL can generate a large amount of burns. Um, in this chart I just posted, you can see the revenue uh, from the multi-token bridge. 
Um, and the, the bridge grew a lot in the last basically one to two weeks of the month. Uh, but, um, you know, basically on probably about an average of 400,000, maybe $350,000 in multi-token bridge TVL, uh, the bridge generated $6,600 in revenue. And, um, you know, we talk about it in the report, but basically, um, I'll share that one too. Basically the market volatility determines a lot of how Cub generates revenue, um, basically through wrapping fees and arbitrage revenue. Those are kind of the two big ones. Um, so Cub has basically completely changed into this volatility harvesting economy where as there's volatility in the markets, uh, Cub is generating revenue from that volatility through wrapping fees because people are moving Hive and HBD through the bridge to arbitrage or trade um, or to stake um, and Cub's earning from those wrapping fees. On top of that, it's earning from the internal arbitrage, which generates actually the majority of the revenue. Um, and as the volatility increases, uh, those forms of revenue increase as well. So the last, you know, actually in the month of September, the crypto market was pretty flat. We didn't really see a whole lot of volatility. Uh, probably one of the least volatile months in the last like six months of crypto uh, was September. So um, even with that said, we still generated $6,600 in revenue on a pretty small amount of TVL. Um, so far, we've actually seen a little bit more volatility in October. It's obviously only been three days, uh, but the, the bridge is on pace to do a lot more revenue than it did last month. Um, so what all of this adds up into is uh, that burn chart and where you see all of that cup getting burned, uh, bought and burned off the market. Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty amazing to see that, you know, take hold and, and actually uh, have a positive impact. Um, in the last couple of days, actually, I think since the report came out, um, I think the sentiment about cub has changed a lot. Um, you know, the cub price went up, I think like 30%, uh, and it's, it's actually holding steady at, at, uh, what is it? 2.6 cents. So, um, we were at, we were basically, we were basically steady around two to 2.1 cents. And now we're sitting at 2.6 cents might not sound like a lot because the numbers are so small, but that's a 30% increase. Um, and what that does is a lot more than just an increase in price. It actually increases the APY on all the different cub vaults. And as that APY increases, it actually drives in more multi-token bridge uh, TVL, which ultimately leads to more cub getting burned. So that's kind of that escape velocity. Um, and I'll share that with you. That's kind of that escape velocity page where we talk about how if, if we can reach a certain velocity of capital entering um, the multi-token bridge, then the cub price will basically start to grind higher because of those buy, buyback and burns. Uh, from multi-token bridge revenue. So through that escape velocity, the, the entire thesis is that um, we'll essentially drive in more multi-token bridge uh, TVL um, and that TVL will just grind higher every single month, month to month. Um, and as that grinds higher, you see uh, the cub price increase from buyback and burns because the obviously the, the wrapping revenue and the arbitrage revenue is higher. And then as that increases, the cub price increases and as the cup price increases, the APY increases on the farms. And as the APY increases, you drive in more uh, capital. So it's kind of that black hole theory that you know I've, I've written dozens of posts about uh, in relation to Leo Cub and, and also about Rune, which is where it kind of started. Um, so all that stuff is, is getting pretty interesting. Um, what we're paying a lot of attention to now is the uh, wrapping activity on BHBD and Beehive. So that's been increasing 
Um, obviously, as liquidity gets deeper, that increases exponentially because uh, the dollar value of what you can trade without slippage uh, increases. So uh, it's really important to deepen the TVL. Um, I think as of today, we hit about $580,000 in multi-token bridge TVL, which is pretty good. Um, in the first Cub monthly report, which was on September 1st, uh, we had, I think, about $290,000 in, in multi-token bridge TVL. So we've doubled that in the last month. And uh, that's pretty cool to see. Um, you know, I, I would say a, a good target for the end of this month would be somewhere between 750,000 and a million dollars in uh, multi-token bridge TVL. So um, I think we're, uh, I think we're on a good, on a good pace to achieve that. Um, and then, you know, where that escape velocity starts to come into play is going to be um, kind of interesting. Um, maybe we've already seen it, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of one of those things that's hard to verify, but um, you know, the kind of at the core of it is seeing the cub price kind of slowly grind higher uh, to keep pace with the growth of, of the uh, multi-token bridge. So um, I think being that cubs up 30% this week, I think that's kind of a good indicator that maybe we're seeing the early stages of it, or maybe the cub price will go right back down to two cents. Uh, we, that remains to be seen either way, the multi-token bridge is growing in TVL. And I think that's kind of the core metric to uh keep an eye on and i know mitch loves cub so what are your thoughts mitch did you read the report are you bullish is on cub what, is that what you thought it was i thought it was just uh that i was bag holding <laughs> <laughs> um no i looked at the uh i mean it's awesome i'm basically look at it as the momentum you know is kicked off and building and i am pretty optimistic about you know the liquidity growing even further which is going to lead to obviously more burns so it's really about just continue to build those liquidity pools um so you know the fee you know more and more fees are earned uh, from arbitrage and from wrapping so <clears throat> it's pretty cool to see and I guess really I'm just waiting for the quote unquote flippening when more is being burned per day than is being produced. So, and cause that's essentially my mindset. So at this point, that's all I've really been, I'm just chilling and I'm like, sweet, number, number go up in terms of amount burned per day. And I'm just waiting for it to get up to that 28 K or so level and then see what happens, you know, in the months following that, you know, when basically when Cub essentially goes deflationary so that's really just been my kind of simple focus, uh, at least in regards to <clears throat> potential uh, benefits to price um, and, you know, the supply demand dynamic. Um, outside of that, man, my opinion is keep doing what at least I've been doing. And the whole point of DeFi is to have passive investment. So, um, you know, I don't even harvest that every day anymore. And uh, that's kind of the whole point. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the two things play out. Because um, I was talking to when I was up actually up north last week, I was talking to a, a real estate guy that I got into um, Cub. And um, he's not really like a, a crypto guy at all. So he just kind of does his harvest and lets everything stack. But he had no idea. Like he's not looped in at all. He's not you know on Discord or doesn't read stuff on Leo Finance. So 
I was telling him about the differences between polycub and, and cub and how it's actually a pretty cool experiment. Cause it's like, right, well, which one's going to work or will both work or will neither work, you know? Cause like basically you and the Leo finance team are on this journey to figure out, all right, how do you make a DeFi coin sustainable? And right now you're trying two operating models and it's like, well, you know, both of them might not work. Both of them could work. One could work better than the other. So as far as my personal uh, interests, I'm hoping uh, the buy and burn is the one that works because that's, <laughs> I'm overweight cub. But I think that's just cool um, in the fact that the goal is to, how do we create a sustainable ecosystem with a DeFi token? Because that's the problem that runs rampant through DeFi. Like every DeFi coin is essentially designed to go down to zero. Right. So um, I just like the fact that there's two theories being, you know, uh, worked right now and we can see uh, which one, which one ends up being the better play or if, or if they both end up being, you know, beneficial just in their own different ways. Yeah. But it's good I for future. It's, it's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's really important that we figure out a model for DeFi that actually works, um, you know, for our community and for kind of the broader DeFi community and the broader Hive community too, because um, I do think we've kind of hit this model with Cub and it, I mean, it seems to be working so far, obviously, um, you know, $600,000 in TVL is, is a good start, but we need to see that deepen a lot more um, if we want to see kind of the, the true effects take hold, which is um, what, what I would love to see is, is cub replace, um, I would love to see cub replace Binance and these centralized exchanges for Hive and HBD, uh, as kind of like the, the go-to exchange for anyone who wants to use something that's not centralized that, um, you know, obviously when it comes to DeFi and automated market makers, you don't need to KYC for an exchange, um, HBD is basically listed nowhere where it's accessible. Um, if you want to trade mm -hmm. HBD, you essentially have to go to the internal market on Hive or you have to go to BHBD or PHBD. So the problem with that is, uh, is obviously HBD does not have a lot of liquidity. If you want to sell or buy a big chunk of HBD on the internal market, you basically have to place a bid or an ask and wait to get filled and pray that you get filled before the uh, Hive price basically changes on you and causes you to to lose a lot of capital to slippage. Um, what we're seeing now is, is you can go to, you can take your HBD if you want to sell some, wrap it over to BHBD and sell it instantly. And you know exactly how much BUSD you're getting, for example. Um, and um, obviously right now in that pool, there's only about $220,000. So um, if you're selling say $1,000 worth of HBD, 1,000 HBD, you're probably going to get a, a decent amount of slippage, maybe half a percent to 1%. So you know, your 1000 HBD will net you maybe 990 BUSD. And as that pool deepens, that amount of slippage uh, gets that gap uh, closes. So what we're aiming to do is, is close that gap even further and then turn, you know, Cub into that number one uh, exchange for, for HBD and, and Hive. Um, and then, you know, so that's HBD. On the Hive side, there's obviously more liquidity out there. There's more exchange listings. Uh, but that being said, you know, the number one place to trade Hive is Binance. And I would say, you know, a solid 30 to 50% of the Hive user base does not have access to Binance because they have new rules about KYC. Um, so I would say, you know, a, a pretty large percentage of Hive users can't even access Binance. 
Um, and then they have to turn to other exchanges like Bittrex uh, that don't have as good of liquidity uh, and also have, you know, their own types of KYC issues. So all of that being said, you know, there's a, there's a definite crackdown on centralized exchanges and, you know, various parts of the crypto industry, like Kim Kardashian just got fined over a million dollars yesterday for promoting a crypto. Um, yep. So with all of this, all of this regulation and crackdowns coming in, it's really important that Hive decentralizes the liquidity out there. Um, you know, as much as like the Hive blockchain itself is super decentralized, obviously, I, I think it's next to Bitcoin. I think it's one of the most decentralized blockchains out there. But the main problem uh, driving Hive now is the liquidity being so centralized um, to just a handful of exchanges. Um, you know, Hive is not that widespread in terms of a currency, in terms of exchange listings as an asset. And what BHBD and Beehive offer is, you know, a derivative asset that gives it a decentralized exchange where it's completely, um, it's completely untied and untethered to those centralized exchanges. And let's say that Binance decides to delist Hive, um, you know, where is a lot of that liquidity going to flow? How are people going to trade Hive? Um, you know, all these questions start to arise about how centralized that liquidity is. And then obviously with the whole steam hostile takeover situation, you saw a very different issue of, of centralized liquidity happen. Um, so all this stuff kind of adds up into this BHBD Beehive stuff is extremely important for Cub. And it's also extremely important for Hive, in my opinion. Um, you know, I own a pretty significant amount of Hive. I bought a ton of Hive uh, after, the, after the hostile takeover. And obviously Hive got super cheap. Um, and I've been buying more Hive under 50 cents. So I obviously have a, have a pretty large scale belief in Hive as an asset and a blockchain, uh, but I also see this kind of looming threat of centralized liquidity. Uh, and I think that this could really fix that uh, and kind of have that win-win situation of fixing that centralized liquidity issue and uh, making Cub a more valuable economy, um, you know, thanks to wrapping fees and arbitrage. Uh, the fact that Cub owns those derivatives is what makes it uh, potentially super valuable. Uh, for the ecosystem. And on the same, on the flip side, as much as I hate centralized exchanges, if Hive ever got listed somewhere like Coinbase, that would be epic, at least in the short term. Yeah. Like holy 100%. liquidity. But yeah. sad face. No Hive anywhere. Yeah. I mean, I know that some people from Hive, some representatives have tried to get it listed on Coinbase. And ironically, what Coinbase and a lot of other uh, centralized exchanges look for is a founder. So they're looking for yeah. a founding team, a founding company, uh, or a founder that they can point the finger at and say, this guy's in charge, uh, or this girl's in charge. And, uh, you know, Hive is decentralized. It doesn't have that. And they don't yeah. really like that, which is ironic because in crypto, that is a good thing. Uh, but to the centralized exchanges, they would rather have a single point of contact. Oh, 100%. I mean, because... That transition hasn't happened, so to speak, yet, where we live in a decentralized organization being the norm. So ironically, you know, if we would rewind back to the Steam days and you had, you know, um, Ned and Dan, like that was technically now it probably like that would have been good for that, at least. Yeah. You know? but, yeah. I mean, Steam used to be one of the number one cryptos in the world. It was in the top 10 for a while. Um and then, obviously, you know, things changed, but, but Hive is more attractive as a decentralized 
blockchain with applications yep. built on it. It's it's way better now than it used to be. And, you know, but but in terms of liquidity and exchange listings, it's actually worse off than it used to be. Yes. I mean, it's like everything else. There's pros and cons to everything. So, you know, the decentralization is awesome. And that's, I think, the road that uh, society is, is, is going down. I mean, literally just at the very first step or two of that. Um, but yeah, then you have the flip side of it is that's also why Hive is pretty much not listed on anything. Right. Yeah, and then uh, jumping over from the DeFi updates to uh, Threads, I know a lot of people are probably wondering what we're doing right now. So we've had some really big updates come out for Threads recently. Uh, most recently was the nested replies update um, a few days ago. So now when you um, when you view the Threads homepage or Threads on any any part of the UI, uh, even on your profile page, the first reply to any thread shows as a nested reply. So there's like a line connecting it to the previous thread. And uh, that's nice. created kind of this, yeah, it's created this really nice user experience where you don't have to click as much and you can see replies a lot easier and you can reply to replies a lot easier. So uh, that's added a lot of a lot of utility and, and good user experience for everybody. Um, so we're excited to see that and it's, it's working really well. Um, and then we've had more performance updates. So you'll notice that threads are super fast, um, faster than they've ever been. And then the next, so the update that we're working on now um, has basically five, five core, uh, basically five core headlines to it. So the first is uh, linked allowance. So what that means is uh, like right now, if you post a thread and you include a link, like let's say that I post a link to the AMA right now, I could say, you know, catch the AMA live and then I can post a link to the YouTube uh, live uh, stream of it that the link for YouTube would take up the part of the 240 characters that you're allowed on, on a thread. The problem with that is that if you want to post, um, you know, a description and then a link, you run out of text pretty quickly. Um, so what we're going to do is make it so that you can post, there's basically an additional allowance for links. And this is how Twitter does it as well. Um, I think we're going to do, you know, we might play around with it a little bit, but I think we're going to do 60 characters extra that can be uh, for links. And then, so you basically have 300 characters total if you're including a link. Um, but obviously the text that you write doesn't, can't spill over into the 60. So the text will basically be that 240 and then you'll have 60 extra characters for a link uh, or maybe two links. But the, you know, we actually had a link allowance before where uh, links didn't, uh, didn't take up any characters in your, in your thread. The problem with that is that, you know, it, it was quickly abused by someone taking a hundred links and posting it in a thread since they didn't count as characters. Uh, and then it, it basically spammed the entire thread homepage. So what we're doing now is just creating an allowance for links and, and uh, that should solve that issue. Uh, so that's kind of the first one. Second one is something that a lot of people have been asking for, which is adding GIFs and emojis. So there's going to be uh, an icon where you can add GIFs and emojis to it. Same thing, you know, you see that pretty much everywhere, Twitter, Facebook, uh, every platform has that. Um, we're going to add something so that you can edit your threads. I know a lot of people ask for that. That's probably one of the most talked about and requested features on Twitter is that people want to be able to edit their tweets and Twitter still doesn't have that. I think now you can do it if you have something called uh, like Twitter, Twitter blue or something. Not 100% sure, but uh, I know Elon put out some, put out a poll asking people if they wanted the ability to edit tweets 
and it was pretty overwhelmingly uh, in favor of being able to edit. So we're adding a feature where you can edit your threads. Uh, so we'll beat Twitter in that regard. Um, and uh, after that, we're going to look at the notification system. So, um, you know, a lot of people like Bitcoin Flood and a few others have said, uh, you know, they wish the uh, notification feature was better, faster, uh, more reliable, uh, easier to use, all of that. So uh, we're basically looking into some solutions for, for making the notification system more, uh, you know, more usable and user-friendly for threads. We may even add it directly onto the threads homepage instead of being in your profile page. So stay tuned for basically what that's going to look like. I think it'll, I think it'll be, I think it'll be good and it'll be, it'll make your threads experience a lot easier uh, in terms of, you know, being able to engage with people that, that wrote uh, replies to your previous threads. Um, and then outside of that, uh, the fifth thing on that list are just uh, a few small bug fixes that we've noticed. Um, you know, sometimes when you open a thread link directly, it doesn't properly load the page. Um, so a few, a few little bugs like that uh, are kind of the last part of that update. And uh, we're hoping to roll this out by next, not this coming Friday, but the next Friday, all five of these items will be rolled out. Um, and you may see them rolled out, you know, one by one over the, over the coming days. Uh, we're probably not going to wrap it all into one update. So you'll see, Damn. you'll see those five things kind of rolled in over the next week and a half five, five updates i only <laughs> i only wrote down two so far Edit, editable threads gifts and emojis i don't know what the other three are you got those two then link allowance and then link uh, allowance? notification system and uh then the other one is just minor bug fixes that's the gotcha. minor obviously there's some some small sub points to that sweet and then if you're looking at the more long-term uh, roadmap, after we tackle these five things, hopefully they're done by next Friday, um, we're going to work on rethreading. So that's going to be, that's actually a pretty big thing to tackle, but it's, um, you know, it's a core feature on Twitter. It's uh, something that a lot of people use is the re retweeting and then quote retweeting where you can actually take someone's tweet and then add some more text to it. So the iteration after this coming update is going to be all focused on rethreading. Uh, it requires a pretty significant reworking of our back end uh, in order to allow rethreading to be possible without blowing up the thread, uh, basically without blowing up the way that threads work. And uh, so we're going to have to carefully work on that one. That will probably take at least one to two weeks, if I had to guess, potentially even longer. Um, so. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of see how that progresses. Um, that might be, you know, it, on a, on a hopeful timeline that will be out by the end of October and you'll be able to rethread. Um, man, if, uh, there was, um, editable threads, uh, I should say tweets on Twitter, Trump might still be president. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, once, once you send out that statement, it's all over. There's it's no all over. Yeah. Well, that's the cool that's thing awesome. about that's the cool thing about being on a blockchain too is uh, being on Hive is when you make a thread, you that thread forever will live on the blockchain. You can edit yeah. that thread and then change what's shown on the UI. But if anyone who has any level of savviness, which you know, at this is a pretty surface level amount of savviness, 
they can go directly to the blockchain using a block explorer like hiveblocks.com and they can look up that thread and they can see the history of what it used to say. So if you edit, if you post a thread and you say, you know, scaredy cat is a bad investor and then, <laughs> and then you go back in and you edit that thread and you say scaredy cat is a good investor. If someone knows how to use the Hive blockchain uh, explorers, they can look at that thread and they can see the original thread, even though you edited the set edited it and created the second one. So even though the UI shows Scaredy Cat is a good investor, someone could go through the blockchain and see the old thread and then Scaredy Cat could send out the bat signal to uh, come after you. So it's, uh, it, it's cool to be on a blockchain and have features like that, which are not possible on you know, centralized web two platforms like Twitter. Um, so, you know, that's kind of one of the big things with Twitter adding an edit button is that people are concerned that, you know, you could basically post anything. And then if it gets retweeted, for example, and you've edited it, now people are retweeting something that they're not sure, you know, like it, like they could retweet that original tweet that says Scaredy Cat's a bad investor. But then if you edit that into Scaredy Cat's a good investor, now I've retweeted something that I don't believe in potentially. And that's Haters. That, creates that issue. <laughs> so, why well, you keep saying that stop trying to manifest that shit <laughs> scaredy cat is a good investor let me edit there you go exactly because i because i held on to cub with diamond paws <laughs> so hopefully i'll be right in the end because so far yeah. i've been wrong <laughs> yeah so that's just kind of one example of of you know editing threads and the potential fallout that could come from that especially on web two platforms but i think Web three solves that in a nice way with the uh, with the blockchain. I can't I can't, I can't read it. it. What does it say? It says the haters have arrived. The <laughs> Chappelle show when they did the play a haters ball. Love it. Hate, I love hate, it. Hate 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 hate. Love it. Um, dude, that's some serious updates with threads coming in the next two weeks. That's that's badass. Yeah, we're we're very intensely focused on threads, uh, building it out. Um, it's uh, things have been going really well, actually. If you look at threads now compared to threads when they launched, it's almost unrecognizable in all of the best ways. It's super fast. Um, features like nested replies have really changed the user experience. Um, you know, we have embedded videos. So I just posted a thread uh, with, with the link to the YouTube video for this. And uh, it, it's embedded directly on threads. So you can still watch it without even leaving threads. So. A lot of a lot of cool stuff in the pipeline and, and cool stuff that we've already done. What's um, yeah? Nifty said the updates made it a very usable and scalable platform. Hundred percent. We focused I, a lot on scalability. hundred percent is correct, and it's going to get even better with the coming updates for the user experience. Um, just to backtrack for a second, when you were talking about Cub earlier, uh, you talked about the liquidity pools. I think you said uh, uh, we hit a specific number in regards to like the hive yeah. related, you know, like the pools that basically create burn fees. Yeah, we just hit, um, I haven't done the math today, but we just hit close to 600 K. So I think we're right nice. around like 580 K TVL for hive, hive and HBD based yeah. uh, LPs. Love it. Next stop. 1 million. 1, one million dollars. <laughs> I think we might be able to do it by the end of October. Um, I think it's extremely possible. We just need, uh, need more bridging activity. We need people to bridge over their hive and HPD. Start pulling. <clears throat> yes. 
I just need to onboard people to Leo Finance, which confuses them to begin with, and then onboard them onto DeFi, which really confuses them, and then get them yeah. to go into the high pools. You know, here's the thing. Well, if you know a lot of investors out there, especially crypto investors, but even maybe real estate investors or whatever, you know, there's the, the BHBD Beehive and BHBD BUSD pool that are both paying about 40% APY. So if they want to sit in stable coins and make 40% a year on it, they could sit in BHBD BUSD. Um, or if they want to get a little bit of expo a little bit of long exposure to the crypto market, but hedge it with uh, stable coin exposure, that's the Beehive BHBD pool where, you know, over the long run, Hive is going to track to the rest of the crypto market. And then obviously HBD is a stable coin. So now you've got kind of a hedged bet uh, on, on crypto. Meanwhile, earning, you know, what is it? 42.95% APY. So I think these pools bring in a lot more. They're a lot more attractive to the average investor. Then, I mean, if you want to get more speculative, you can get into the BHBD-CUB uh, or Beehive-CUB pool. But I know a lot of people with the way that DeFi tokens are and, you know, with the way CUB and PolyCUB have been, don't want to even touch CUB uh, in terms of LPing it. So if that is you, then just focus on the first two pools and, and forget the CUB pools uh, until, you know, your confidence changes or, you know, maybe you never even uh, change your confidence. But by pooling, that's the cool thing is by pooling HBD and Hive, uh, you're still benefiting the CUB ecosystem uh, without even pooling CUB. So we've, we've created an ecosystem where every, every dollar worth of capital is actually benefiting the, the whole platform a lot more uh, than the APY it's, it's uh, being paid out as. Indeed. <clears throat> All things cub and threads. <laughs> I just, and then, like, just uh, trying to throw together a uh, a recap post on the fly, but I started late. So what? Um, obviously, it's cool that cub has been a focus again. Polycub seems to just be doing its thing. Um, what else is there anything else uh on the horizon just, uh, or that's being worked on um yeah there's uh so the the next uh next big contract um for DeFi stuff is the variable staking contracts so i've talked about that for both polycub and cub um you know in the last couple of months um we've got the contract ready now we're working on some ui stuff it'll it'll drop on cub first um, and it'll basically let you stake cub. It's going to actually replace the cub kingdom and it'll let you pick a duration where you can stake cub. So you can stake it and have it instantly liquid, uh, for a small APY, or you can stake it for up to 365 days and you'll have a much larger APY for doing that. Um, so it's a replacement to the cub kingdom and it basically just adds a, a locking time to it, but it also adds more APY because the yield will basically be on a curve. And anyone who stakes it for a low amount of time will kind of be at the bottom of that curve. And then anyone who stakes it for a longer period of time will be at obviously the, the end of that curve and earn a lot more APY. So wait, this is literally going to replace the Cub token kingdom on yep. Cub DeFi? Yep. Interesting. So basically what you're saying is I'm gonna have to make decisions with my big bag of Cub. Yeah, you'll have to decide if you want to keep it instantly liquid and earn a small yield, or if you want to lock it up and earn a much larger yield. Um, 
the smaller yield will be a little bit smaller than the yield is right now, probably around 3% APY. That will keep your cub instantly liquid, or you can stake it for say 365 days and earn something on the order of maybe 40 to 60% APY. You're killing me, Smalls, you're killing me. <laughs> or you can stake it for a week. Uh, I'll show um, you. I'm gonna, um, wait, so I got another question. Yeah. Is it a one, is it a one and done decision or can you do, cause like, let's just say hypothetically, I want to stake a third of mine for 365 days, but then the other two thirds, I only want to have staked for 30 days. Am I able to do that or no? That's a good question. Um, you may have that's to really split it to a second wallet. I mean, that's worst case scenario. You just always split it to a second wallet. I'll show you, um, Here's a uh, screenshot of uh, the Cake version. So we, we based a lot of this off of Cake, uh, which released this contract a few months ago. Using cake profit, yield boost, Cake locked, unlocks in. So uh, let's see if I can get you better. Very interesting. Yeah, so here. So if you look at this, and we're adding all these ROI calculators to Cub too. So take a look at this where you can put in a thousand USD. So a thousand USD worth of cake, which is 210 cake tokens right now. Um, and then you can set it to the duration max, which is 52 weeks. So the longest you can stake for is a year. Um, and if you do that, the APY is 63%. So you'll earn $630 over the course of a year on your thousand dollar deposit versus now let's take the same thousand dollars and do it for... Uh, 25 weeks. So it's obviously half a year. And you can see that the ROI there is 15% um, uh, ROI, but that is that is over the 25 weeks. So then double that to 30% APY, basically. Um, so you're basically earning 30% yield, 30% annualized return on your thousand bucks uh, if you stake it for 25 weeks. And then if you keep it flexible, it's paying 4% APY. So you can basically just see the difference with these variable staking contracts that anyone who signals that long-term belief in the platform and locks it for a longer period of time earns the majority of the yield in that vault. It basically yep. just creates, so right now the way, and this is kind of an interesting way to look at it. Right now, the way that uh, vaults work is that all capital is equally competitive. So if I put in a dollar worth of capital and you put in a dollar worth of capital, we're competing for the same yield. But with the with this new vault for just only for the Cub Kingdom, um, our one dollar and your my one dollar and your one dollar is not equal. So it depends on how long we stake it for. So if I stake my one dollar for fifty two weeks and you only stake yours for tw uh, for tw uh, twenty five weeks, then the yield I earn on my dollar is higher than the yield you earn on your dollar. Um, so it's basically adding another layer of, uh, it's adding a whole other variable to the competitiveness of capital in the vaults, um, which is a very cool thing. And ever since Cake launched this, it's been extremely bullish for Cake. They replaced um, nice. they replaced their old Cake vault with this one. And uh, I've been kind of keeping an eye on it and it's working very well for them. Um, and it, it basically removes what I think is going to be interesting to see is right now there's what uh, in the Cub Kingdom. Right now there's $228,000 in TVL on the Cub Kingdom. So right now there is essentially a looming threat of $220,000 of potential capital that can be sold uh, on the market at any time because that, 
that the Cub Kingdom is fully liquid right now. So anyone who's pooling in the Cub Kingdom can sell. Um, what this basically does is it locks a percentage of that up based on whatever the user wants to lock it for. And then you'll be able to track a new metric of how much Cub is liquid and how much Cub is locked. So you know, let's just say that half of this capital gets locked for 365 days. So that's $110,000. Let's say now we go from 220,000 being instantly liquid to now 110,000 being instantly liquid and another 110,000 being uh, locked for a year. So now you know that $110,000 worth of Cub cannot be sold for another 52 weeks. So it kind of adds some more interesting dynamics to the economy. It, it makes the economy more dynamic and uh, mature in my opinion, versus just having this crazy vault where like, you know, you've got the majority of Cubs sitting in this one vault where it can just be sold off at any time. Um, one other good thing kind of on the same topic that I've been tracking is the TVL in the Cub Kingdom versus the TVL of Cub in the LPs. So there's $228,000 staked in the Cub Kingdom and the current market cap of Cub is 450,000. So it's actually literally even. So right now there's 50% of all Cub that exists is sitting in the liquidity pools and the other 50% is in the Cub Kingdom. So this is a, what I've been watching is the balancing out of this. So prior to the launch of Beehive and BHBD, the vast majority of Cub, probably about 75, 80% was actually sitting in the Cub Kingdom. And a lot of that capital has slowly moved back into the pools. And this is an extremely bullish thing for Cub uh, because it's adding more liquidity for trading. So the, what you've seen is the Cub price has stabilized a lot more. Uh, and I'm sure you've noticed this and everyone's noticed this, that the Cub price is far more stable than it used to be. And a big reason for that is how liquid Cub has become. Um, if you add up all the pools, like there's, so you've got BHBD-Cub, Beehive-Cub, BUSD-Cub, and BNB-Cub. If you add all of those up, you get... 60, you get $390,000 in liquidity for the Cub token. So $390,000 in liquidity and the market cap for Cub is $450,000. So that, that liquidity to mark, market cap ratio keeps getting more and more bullish for Cub, uh, which ultimately stabilizes the price, makes it uh, less volatile. Because if, if a seller comes out with $1,000 worth of Cub and they sell it all at once, it doesn't crash the prices the same way that it used to uh, since the liquidity is deeper. So um, <clears throat> I legit need to bounce. So uh, General Crypto, any thoughts or feelings over the last um, couple of weeks or is everything kind of just same old, same old? Yeah, I know you got the hard stop at 1 p.m. Um, so yeah, I mean, what I've, what I've seen and that I'm interested in is that statement out where basically other governments are... Um, <clears throat> pressuring the Fed to stop raising interest rates. Yeah. And I think that's had, you know, I mean, yesterday the stock market ripped up 3%. Today we're up another 2.5% on the S&P. Um, I think people are, are bullish on the idea that obviously the Fed is going to um, potentially have to bow down to these other governments that are basically begging them to stop raising rates. Um, what do you think about that? <laughs> I found it pretty interesting. I mean, I don't know if the Fed is going to do it. Um... Maybe maybe uh, after November, I feel like November um, is still locked in for them to raise again, and then maybe after that, 
they'll give everyone a reprieve. Who knows? A lot can change over the next month and yeah. the change. But yeah, I saw that and I was like, wow, that's crazy to yeah. think that it's actually somewhat scary. Well, other government, I mean, as much as people think we're hurting here in, you know, in America where, with inflation and goods, cost Which, of goods, yeah. other countries are getting beaten and battered right now. Yeah, it's a walk in the park in America compared yeah. to a lot, of, a lot of other countries. Yeah, a lot of people <clears> there. Yeah, man. I don't know. Like that definitely threw a monkey wrench into everything. Maybe yeah. that'll get them to uh, ease back, but or maybe they'll just do a smaller increase. I mean, there's already people talking about 50 basis points in November. You know, also data always impacts. So what's the inflation data going to look like for September, October? Uh, what's the uh, employment data going to look like? You know, if the employment data keeps, you know, being better than expected, that gives the Fed all the um, ammunition they need to keep raising. Yeah. So what so, do you think? You think we see, do you think we see a, a, a 75 basis point raise in November or will it be less than that? I mean, it's hard to say just because, you know, my opinion always is dictated by the data. So who knows what the data is going to look like uh, a month month from now and, you know, data that still needs to come out from last month. Um, so I'll just say I won't be surprised if they only raise a half point. But they may stick with the 75 or maybe they'll bow down to everyone's wishes around the world and stop raising. It all depends yeah. on how, I guess, how the inflation numbers look over the next month or two. True. Yeah, I don't think we'll see, personally, I don't think we'll see a 75 basis point increase. I think we'll see maybe 0.5. I think, I do think we'll still see an increase, uh, but I, I just, I don't see them doing 75 again. But we'll have to see. Yeah. I haven't seen what analyst expectations are right now. Uh, I have to look that up, but I assume that most people are expecting somewhere between 50 and 75, if I had to guess. Yeah, that's been the chatter I've seen so far. Sweet. Well, I'll let you go to your next busy yeah, day of I'm always uh, running. I'm always running. With your, good luck with your closing. These are currency. Yeah, I'm just finishing up the recap post just because I haven't written, I haven't written a post in five days as is. And I usually <laughs> like to do this for everyone anyway. I know it's crazy. Yeah, like, that's the, I think that's the longest streak I've ever had without writing a post in like yeah. seven years or however many years I've been on uh, Hive slash Steam. Yeah, I used to be a lot more consistent about posting, but I uh, haven't been as great lately. Been trying to get back yeah. on the horse, though. Yeah, it just takes time. And it's like we're both busy. Oh, this thing better not fail. I forgot I wasn't logged in yet. Uh -oh. We finally fixed that. I think we did. Copy yes. pasta it real quick. Yeah, I think it's good though. No, nah, it looks like it's gonna post. I'll drop the link into the chat. Um, Do it. It's taking forever. Let's go. <laughs> Do it. Oh my goodness, spinning circle. There we go. <clears throat> Sweet. When, when soon shall recap? I will drop that in the AMA chat. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sweet. All righty then. Go upvote the cat. Hell yeah. And uh, keep fucking piling into those liquidity pools. Yep. Cub, token Cub, bridge, shall has, Cub, Cub shall has all the highs in HVD. <laughs> It'll be the number one decentralized <clears throat> so, exchange.
for Cub or for uh, HBD and Hive. There you go. So Tuesday is the 11th next week. Uh, yep. I will be here. So cool. see everyone next week. Hopefully I have a voice. <laughs> <laughs> see you guys next Tuesday. All right, dude. I'll catch you later. All right. See ya. Thanks. Later.